Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hey, welcome to Israel and You, and it's my wonderful honor and privilege today to have on the program Dr. Gerald McDermott. And Dr. McDermott is the retired chair of Anglican Divinity at Beeson Divinity School. He's the author, co-author, or editor of 23 books, including Israel Matters, The New Christian Zionism, and Understanding the Jewish Roots of Christianity. His newest book is called Race and Covenant, Recovering the Religious Roots of American Reconciliation, where he challenges the critical race theory that's spreading across university campuses and uh, schools today. So, Jerry, it's wonderful to have you on Israel and you today. Welcome. Thank you, Aaron. It's my privilege and my honor. Well, Jerry, we, we've been friends now for a couple of years, and uh, you wrote a chapter in Israel Team's new book, The Casualty of Contempt, The Alarming Rise of Anti-Semitism, and What Can Be Done to Stop It. And you used to be a supersessionist. You, you believed in replacement theology and that teaches that God has rejected the Jewish people and the church is now the new Israel. And uh, about, I don't know, 18, 20 years ago, you changed your mind as a theologian. And so my question today is, as we talk about, you know, replacement theology and supersessionism that actually believes that the church has superseded or triumphed over the Jewish people and uh, Israel, how, how did the church get it wrong for 1,900 years? Well, um it wasn't quite 1900 years because the first 300 years, uh, much of the church was Christian Zionist. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, there was supersessionism that arose in the second century, particularly after the Bar Kokhba revolt in 135. But there were many others who held to the biblical view, the New Testament view, of Jesus as Messiah and God's continuing covenant with the Jewish people and the continuing gift of the land. Uh, it wasn't until Constantine in the fourth century that uh, supersessionism uh, became established as normative church teaching. But, you know, how did they lose it? <clears throat> uh, it was primarily, I think, Aaron, because of the Gentiles who quickly came to the fore as leaders of the church, starting in the in the second century, and many of these Gentiles lost root, uh, lost uh, touch, lost contact with the Jewish roots of their faith in Jesus as Messiah. And there were economic and political reasons too. We see this particularly in uh, Spain, for instance, in the 14th and 15th century, with the rise of blood purity laws that really went back to economic and political competition between what was called the old Christians, that is the Spaniard Gentile Christians, and the new Christians who were uh, Messianic Jews who were, perhaps because they were Jewish, they were so gifted, so gifted and so skillful, they rose to prominence both in the church and also in the state. 
And there was jealousy. There was jealousy. So the supersessionism was used then to uh, reestablish Gentile control of the church and of society. And I'd say, Aaron, another factor where was translation problems, particularly translating the Gospel of John. Hmm. Uh, the word eudaioi in John uh, uh, appears repeatedly, but most of the time when it is used in John, it means Judeans, referring to the corrupt leadership of the temple in the first century. It doesn't mean Jews, uh, uh, simply Jews, but in most English translations of the book of John, it's translated as Jews, and so it, it pictures Jesus as being against all Jews, and particularly because the Gospel of John is used during Holy Week and has been for almost 2,000 years. Uh, this is why many Gentiles, after coming out of church in Holy Week, uh, particularly in the Middle Ages, would go out and try to tear down a synagogue or to attack Jews. So all these things put together uh, have added up to a problematic Gentile Christian view of Jewish Israel. Maybe when you think about it, <clears throat> okay, so we, we came through the Middle Ages, and then, you know, leading up to the Holocaust in Germany, where German Christians were really committed to supersessionism, replacement theology, you know, to the point where they justified massacring six million Jews. But after the Holocaust, you would think that theological institutions, pastors would, you know, come to terms with this age-long heresy known as replacement theology, but it, it continues to this day. Do you think it's, again, jealousy? Is it ignorance or blindness, pride and arrogance? I mean, what, what drives this, this age-long divide, even in theological institutions today? Well, I think what drives it, Aaron, is primarily, at least in the Church, primarily is ignorance. Okay. But a lot did happen after World War II and after the Holocaust. Um, scholars, particularly New Testament scholars, went back and said, whoa, where did we go wrong? Hmm. And they realized uh, that the New Testament never refers to the Church as the New Israel. In fact, that phrase, the New Israel, never appears in the New Testament. Uh, which, of course, suggests that the Gentile Church has replaced Jewish Israel in God's affections and God's covenant. Um, things really did happen amongst the scholars, which led to Nostra Aetate, a very important document in Vatican II in the Catholic Church in 1965, that said we must stop calling Jews Christ-killers, and we must now teach that God's covenant with the Jewish people is ongoing. It still exists. So that was huge. You know, that was major in the Catholic Church. And dispensationalists all along uh, had had been saying these sorts of things, and uh, they added also, uh, you know, these were Protestants, uh, mostly Baptists, they added also that the land of Israel is still important and is still the Holy Land, and God is still going to use the land of Israel uh, in his redemptive purposes. And... and you know, now it's moved way beyond just the dispensationalists. Uh, a movement that I'm involved in is called the New Christian Zionism. And we, we are scholars from many different disciplines, um, Jewish and Gentile. 
And we are proclaiming a new Christian Zionism, new because it has nothing to do with dispensationalism. And, and I'm also uh, the member, a founding member and a leader uh, of a movement in the academy called the Society for Post-Supersessionist Theology. Wow. And we're made up of, of Jews and Christians from all over the academy, many different disciplines. Uh, we meet once or twice a year. Each meeting gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So we're going to meet again in two weeks in San Antonio. Uh, prob- uh, you know, We've already got hundreds of scholars from around the world signed up to come to this two-hour meeting where, where we will give three papers. So uh, things are getting better. Many, many more Christians uh, um, uh, in all different churches Protestant and Catholic and Eastern Orthodox, are waking up to realize that God's covenant with the Jewish people is ongoing and that the land of Israel is a special gift of God in the history of God's redemption, still critical to the outworking of God's redemption. It's amazing. I mean, that's really positive news, uh, Dr. McDermott, that you you have your finger on the pulse of the academy and theological institutions, and, and to hear that uh, makes my my heart leap with with joy that you know there's a change coming within our theological institutions towards uh, the Jewish people in the land of Israel. Someone once said, "We have no awareness of how anemic, loveless, narrow, predictable, and mechanical a fellowship or a people are that have lost their identification with Israel." We do not understand that the rudiments of the faith and its very root go deep into the life of that people and that people's God. It is enlarging and liberating to know that we have such an ancestry and such a destiny. So in, in your estimation, what are some ways uh, that an understanding of Israel and the Jewishness of the Bible can enrich you know, a local church's life, a, a pastor's life as he, as he preaches and teaches? You know, what are some things that you've seen happening in, in pulpits and, you know, within the lives of pastors? Well, I'll tell you what happens to pastors who, whom I have led uh, both through my books and my talks and my tours of Israel. Uh, they say, look, the whole Bible has gone from black and white to color. Uh, now I understand the Gospels in ways I never understood them before. I mean, to think of Jesus as a Jewish man adds an extra dimension to almost every single passage in the whole Bible, including the New Testament, well, especially the New Testament. So, for example, um, you know, what was this hem of the garment that the woman who bled for 12 years was grabbing onto? Uh, what was this hem of the garment, as it's typically translated, that the Syrophoenician woman was grabbing onto? Uh, uh, if you look at the Greek and you understand that Jesus was a Jewish man, uh, the Greek word is tassels. Uh, these sick, the, these women desperate for healing for themselves and for others grabbed onto Jesus' tassels because as a Jewish man, he wore the tassels that are commanded of all Jewish men in Numbers chapter 15 to wear on the corners of their prayer shawl. And Malachi, the prophet, the last book of the Old Testament, 
teaches that when the Messiah comes, he will have healing in his wings. And in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, which was the translation that most of the first century church read, not the Hebrew, but but the Greek, the Septuagint, uh, uh, the word for wings means tassels. Uh, so the rabbis taught that when the Messiah comes, he will minister the healing of God, his messianic healing, through the tassels on his prayer shawl. And this is why these women grabbed the tassels, his tassels, and it was through his tassels that they got his healing. So that's, you know, that's just one of a thousand, uh, ten thousand different ways in which knowing Jesus was a Jew brings into color what was previously simply black and white. Uh, and just thinking of the gospel. Well, gospel means good news. So what exactly is the good news? Well, Paul says in Romans 1 that the good news is that the Messiah has finally come to fulfill all the promises of the prophets, of, of the law and the prophets. And he says in Galatians, the good news is that now the Gentiles can become part of the family of Abraham because salvation comes through the family of Abraham. You won't get saved unless you get connected to the family of Abraham. Jesus himself said that to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. He says, salvation is from the Jews. So this is the good news, that although in one sense it was always true that Gentiles would find the true God through the family of Abraham. You see this all through the Old Testament, Gentiles coming and joining Israel, like Ruth and Rahab. But particularly in the New Testament, the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, has come in the flesh now. And by connecting to him by faith and baptism, we can find salvation in the family of Abraham. Well, that's remarkable, Jerry. And, you know, the same thing happened to me as, as a... Uh as a pastor 20 years ago when I started discovering you know, my own roots as a Jew uh, born into a, a Jewish family and rejecting my roots but then as a pastor you know, beginning to see the, the Jewishness of, of the New Testament uh, the Jewishness of Jesus but you can, to the listening audience you can get Jerry's book Israel Matters, Why Christians Must Think Differently About the People and the Land of Israel. It's a remarkable book it's a great read. I encourage you to get it. And we'll catch you on the other side of the break as we talk to Dr. Gerald McDermott. Hi, I'm Aaron Free, president of Israel Team Advocates. Israel Team is a nonprofit organization that advocates for the Jewish people and the land of Israel. Our work is mainly on evangelical college campuses where we're seeing a growing tide of anti-Israelism and anti-Semitism. The social justice movement is falsely proclaiming that Israel is violating the human rights of its neighbors. As well, critical race theory, now being taught on evangelical institutions, proclaims that Jewish people are white colonial settlers who have settled in a land that does not belong to them. This, of course, is untrue. 55% of Israelis are non-white. There are a quarter million Ethiopian Jews living in Israel, and over one million Arabs call Israel home. According to the FBI, 
There has been a 350% increase of anti-Semitic incidents in the last two years. As well, 70% of evangelical young people hold to a negative view of Israel. If this trend goes unchallenged, evangelicalism will be anti-Israel within 10 years. Israel team needs your help. We are building centers for understanding anti-Semitism and the rebirth of Israel on evangelical college and seminary campuses. We do presentations about how the Nazis took over college campuses in order to brainwash the minds of young German Christians. We're building bridges of understanding through our nights to honor the Jewish people in churches nationwide. Will you help Israel Team stand in the gap to fight the scourge of anti-Semitism? Israel Team has received a matching grant, and every dollar you give to help us build a bridge for the next generation will be matched by January 1st, 2022. You can donate today by going to our donate page at israelteam.org. And for your donation, we'll send you our new book, The Casualty of Contempt, The Alarming Rise of Anti-Semitism, and What Can Be Done to Stop It. Be sure to leave your mailing address in the comment section so that we can mail the book out to you. Help us meet this matching grant by going to our donate section at israelteam.org. That's israelteam.org. This is Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, great to be back. And my guest today is Dr. Gerald McDermott. And uh, Gerald is a scholar, has written a, a new book called Israel Matters. He's also written a new book called The New Christian Zionism. And we're going to talk about uh, his brand new book that just recently came out entitled Race and Covenant. And in that book, uh, Jerry challenges the new notion of critical race theory that's spreading through public schools and even on evangelical college campuses. And Jerry, do you see critical race theory now being taught on many evangelical secular college campuses giving way to a new anti-Israelism and anti-Semitism because CRT views Israel as a white colonial state that has driven out the original people of the land. Regarding Israel, how do you see CRT shaping an anti-Israel argument? Yes, uh, in two ways. Number one, through the, through the, the idea of victimhood, and number um, two, by association with whiteness. So victimhood, um, CRT, critical race theory, is, is rooted in Marxism, which divides the world, uh, which divides the world and the human race into oppressors and victims. And uh, it, it also <clears throat> links into intersectionality, which talks about all kinds of victims uh, all across the world. Victims by sex, in other words, women, uh, victims by skin color, so people of color, uh, uh, and uh, the Palestinians as victims, as the boycott, divest, and sanction movement, BDS movement, has portrayed the uh, Palestinians as the victims of Israeli colonialism, as you mentioned, Aaron, and oppression. And so, um, by thinking of Palestinians, by casting Palestinians as eternal victims, uh, uh, the the you know Black Lives Matter movement and critical race theory, uh, by what's called intersectionality, connects them 
to people of color as victims. Uh, and secondly, uh, it, it also wrongly portrays Jews as classic whites who are people of privilege. Now, it is true that the Jews, because they're the chosen people and because typically their God has gifted them in many ways and typically they work very hard, have become very successful all over the world and have gained many social and economic privileges. Uh, and because they think of Jews as white, which is completely wrong, because if you go to Israel, you know there are black Jews when you get off the plane, there are, there are brown Jews, there are yellow Jews. Um, right. uh, uh, but but, but uh, across the world today, um, you know, critical race theorists think of Jews as all white and privileged. And so that's the second reason uh, for, for uh, them to... Uh, express hatred for Jews and thus anti-Semitism and picking up the old demonic uh, uh, way of trying to, to exterminate the Jewish people. It's interesting. It, it's almost like anti-Semitism mutates from you know one era to the next. In the 19th and 20th centuries, anti-Semitism was based on race, and the Nazis brought racism to a whole new level in their annihilation of the Jewish people because of their race. <clears throat> and then anti-Semitism mutated again as of late, and the new anti-Semitism is based on human rights, and they proclaim that the social justice movement proclaims Jews are maligned because Israel is accused of violating the human rights of its neighbors. So do you see anti-Semitism mutating yet once again uh, into a race issue because of the popularity of CRT, and how do you see this playing out in the evangelical world, where there's many evangelical colleges now, professors that are embracing the whole notion of the critical race theory? Well, yes, I just published an article uh, 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 about two weeks ago at, at First Things, the journal on religion and public life, uh, in which I cast a spotlight, um, um, as it were, on um, wokeism, the various versions of critical race theory, uh, 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 using Jesus to uh, justify it, on three evangelical campuses, Wheaton, Baylor, and Samford, where I taught for five years. And uh, at Beeson Divinity School, as you mentioned. And it's sad that administrators at these three campuses um, have sanctioned a lot of this. Now, many of the professors, most of the professors, are, are not in, into wokeism or not into critical race theory. But unfortunately, uh, what acts as sort of a uh, distributor of poison on campus, often below the radar, are these uh, diversity uh, centers on campus and every one of these three campuses. Uh, and, and this is true for almost every university and college in the country today, including evangelical ones, with very few exceptions, have a center for diversity and inclusion. And these centers are usually uh, devoted to Christian versions of critical race theory, uh, you know, if they're on evangelical campuses. So it's it's through these uh, 
really, I would say, perverse centers for for equity and inclusion and diversity that this kind of poison, and I say poison, why? Because it's racist. This is racism, totally against the gospel. Jesus is not a racist. The gospel is anti-racism. And critical race theory, even when uh, covered in the sheep's clothing of, of Jesus' supposed teaching, is racist. It turns Jesus into a racist. And, you know, this is why it's so poisonous. So, uh, uh, yes, it's infected even our evangelical colleges and universities, uh, sadly. Yeah, and I, I see that, you know, we are mutating again into, you know, Jews being hated because of their race. And as you said, um, you know, you go to Israel, it, 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 it's not a white country. It's 55% of Israelis are non-white. Uh, there's a million Arabs that live in the land of Israel, and many of them serve in the army. They serve in the Knesset. Yeah, two million Arabs. And then uh, I remember one of my first trips to Israel. I'm, I'm walking. Um, I'm in a store, and uh, I'm, I'm, my wife and I are there, and we're you know checking out at the checkout counter. And the um, the lady that was helping us, she was uh, from from Mexico. And, you know, her family had come over um, from Mexico. And so she was a, a non-white uh, Jewish person. And so there's, what, 250,000 um, Jews from the land of Ethiopia. So to say that, you know, the Jews are, are white colonial settlers coming in and driving out people, uh, you know, indigenous people is, is simply not true. And, you know, Jewish people, I've found, they, they don't get into the whole issue of identity politics. You know, they, they just want to be left alone. They don't want to be hated. They don't see themselves as victims. I mean, you talk about the Holocaust. They don't see themselves as victims. They've moved beyond that, and uh, they've succeeded. And, but, you know, I do believe you're right that, that uh, critical race theory is not based on, on the gospel uh, whatsoever. And Aaron, let me just say two things that I know our time is almost up. First of all, and I make these points in uh, uh, our book, Race and Covenant, <clears throat> uh, which is a collection of essays, by the way. Um, uh, I was the editor, and the majority of the essays are by black Americans. Hmm. Uh, but let me say two things uh, very briefly. First of all, race is a social construct. Uh, there is no biological basis for this concept of race. There is no anthropological basis for this concept of race. Biologists and anthropologists agree. And second, as you were just saying, the Jewish people are not a separate race. It, it's uh, 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 As you were uh, explaining the evidence, they are not a separate race. So true. You can get Dr. McDermott's book, Israel Matters, Why Christians Must Think Differently About the People and the Land. You can also get his new book entitled Race and Covenant, where he challenges critical race theory that's spreading in public schools and on evangelical college campuses. And Dr. McDermott, uh, once again, thank you so much. I'm honored that you came on the program today. And uh, so thankful for what you're doing in challenging replacement theology and supersessionism. 
within uh, the theological institutions of the world. So we'll see everyone back uh, next time on Israel and You. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.